the real reason why we're all here, uh, Dr. Z has a book coming out in a year, but you can pre-order that uh, right this second. And it has to deal with all of our anxiety and all of the, the, uh, the basically like the best guide to, uh, well, Dr. Z, you can explain it best. You're writing the thing. What, uh, what can we expect in April of 2022? Um, yes. Yeah, so it is going to be a workbook. You know how I hate journals. Yeah. So it's kind of a workbook slash journal type anxiety engaging workbook where you, um, you know, you don't just read. You actually do the exercises and um, you can repeat them over time. Um, but it's all evidence-based, meaning it's not just things that I think work. It's things that research has actually proven work. Uh, so it'll be, I think, really helpful. And for those of you that follow me, you'll be able to tell it's kind of in my, in my language that I like to use. Um, pretty straightforward, no BS, and it's, it's, it's pretty helpful. I use a lot of them with my patients, and um, it's kind of that acceptance um, behavior-based approach rather than kind of just tell me how you're feeling today. <laughs> Some actionable <laughs> steps in that yes. work. So that's why it's not a journal. Yes. And then we, are, we, we, we both love that. So that's, uh, that's exciting news. Uh, and uh, we are all here in session 20. I mean, really to, whew, this is a big one, y'all. And I'm also really quick, I'm going to embarrass oh. someone on here because I want to introduce her formally. But my amazing, amazing patient coordinator, Sophia, is on here, and I'm going to embarrass her. Um, Sophia, Hi, Sophia, you're awesome. Thank She's, you. She holds my life together. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, right? Uh, so, uh, uh, oh, uh, good question. Are you taking clients via Zoom right now, Dr. Z? I am. Excellent. How do they go and do that? Go to my website, drjamiezuckerman.com, and there is a new patient form on there that you can fill out and um, we'll take a look at it from there. Fantastic. And uh, one of the things that you should definitely sign up for a session for via Zoom or in person is exactly what we're talking about tonight because it's going to take some time to come comprehend a lot of these things and a lot of these, you know, relationships that we uh, deal with in our day-to-day -day lives and especially co-parenting with a narcissist. And uh, there's no way around it. This sucks <laughs> and it's gonna suck. one more time what was that sucks with <laughs> class it sucks horrible <laughs> shitty fucked up wrong unfair whatever words that are you're going through you right now i know you can feel this when you hear my voice because that's what we're dealing with there is uh it seems a lot of the time that there is no path out or there is no way to have you know some form of sanity uh, when you're trying to work out, uh, you know, how to raise your children with someone who is a child 24-7 in their own right, um, you know, and how to essentially co-parent with someone that's never going to listen to you, uh, never going to follow the same amount of rules that you're going to do, and so on and so on and so on. And that's where we're going to start tonight is, yes, you have hit that panel of we're in a divorce, uh, and it's probably the healthiest thing that you can do for yourself, absolutely. But it doesn't stop there, you know. It's uh, it uh, it's where the journey kind of begins. And certainly, dealing with narcissism in general is a very tough subject. We have many right now uh, in our podcast feed. So if you're watching this live or if you're hearing this on the podcast, we Im implore you to go and explore 
the rest of that because it gives you a great foundation for this conversation. But we're happy to answer any questions on the live as it comes through as well. Um, so uh, why does it suck so much, Dr. Z? <laughs> I could, so, so why does it suck so much? Yeah, so it sucks so much because, you know, for those of you that have had relationships with someone with narcissistic personality disorder, um, you know that it's a constant battle of power. It's a constant battle of, you know, being 30 steps ahead. So when people kind of develop the courage, whatever you want to call it, ability to leave the relationship, particularly when there's children involved, whether you are married or not, if there are children involved, that dynamic between you and the narcissistic partner, it doesn't just stop because you're divorced. Um, if there's no children involved, you know, the divorce process still sucks, obviously. But the divorce process, when there's children involved, can be, is, I shouldn't even say can, is a nightmare. Um, understandably so. And so when you are, forget the divorce process, it's a whole other topic altogether, but when you're dealing with a narcissist and you're co-parenting with a narcissist, there's a couple, there's a couple reasons, uh, you know, obvious reasons why it sucks, but some of the ones that we really want to touch on are the idea that there is a loss of control over how you parent your child, because a lot of times spouses of narcissistic partners feel that their job is to protect their children from the abuse that's going on. And so a lot of times they feel that if they are no longer together, that they aren't able to protect their children from the abuse that, that they will possibly, probably witness. Um, so there's that aspect. The other is you have to still maintain some degree of contact with the narcissist because of the children. And we'll talk about what that can look like. But when there's no children involved or you go through a breakup, you can go through what we call no contact, which is in you know, some of our other episodes. But you can block them, not speak to them, um, you know, have everyone you know block them on all social media, change your phone number, change your email, whatever the case may be. When you're co-parenting with somebody, who has partial custody or even less than partial custody, you have to maintain contact with them to some extent. So there's that aspect as well. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily, it, it, it doesn't end. You still need to maintain some sort of contact. And we can talk about how to do it in a way that is best for you and best for the kids without kind of, you know, re-traumatizing you on a daily basis. Yes, and, and trying to get to an information and information-only-based conversations with that person is probably... You know, and they shouldn't even be conversations, to be honest. They, they, so everything in writing... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everything in writing, only facts. Read it a couple times before you send. If there's any emotion words in there whatsoever, anything that is non-date, time, appointment-based... It doesn't go in there, period. 100%. Yeah, like, asshole, out, you know, fuck That's you, right. out. You know, anything that is that is you know, even remotely looking like blame or passive aggressiveness, it doesn't mm -hmm. even have to be that, that, you know, that harsh. It's, it's any turning point where they can grab onto it and force you to go in a different direction. It's, 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 it's a game. And if you use your emotion first, you lose. 
So, and a lot of times, too, what happens is when they come back to the non-narcissistic parents' home, mm-hmm. they will bring with them the chaos that went on in that house that was yep. never dealt with. And then they come back and the, you know, the primary parent or the available parent is the one that's going to have to end up dealing with that. So it's tricky. It's definitely very tricky. And this is one of the topics that most of my patients, most of my followers, our listeners um, have the most questions about. Well, in a, in a question I'd, uh, I'd like to start with, too, is just, is there, how do you alleviate that fear of, of kind of what we're talking about here? Like you're, you're handing off your children to someone that you know is verbally, mentally, physically abusive towards you, maybe even towards them, and either by law, by whatever, like they have their visitation, how do you kind of alleviate that anxiety full well knowing like you might be sending your child into harm? So physical abuse aside, um, it's a different situation. Uh, but this is one of the biggest issues right now in family court systems. And for those of you that have gone through this, you're aware of this, that um, there's very little, I mean, there's a lot of groups that are really starting to make headway with this. Um, some great Instagram groups that are, um, well, they're on Instagram, but they're groups that kind of really um, are spearheading this. But there's a lot of, let's just say, lack of, I'll say, lack of knowledge about narcissistic personality disorder and how it infiltrates the family, how it affects the divorce process. Um, Attorneys, and you know, people that work within the court system are not well versed in what the nuances of this really truly is and how it really affects the family. So it not only feels like you're up against a wall with your part your ex-partner, but oftentimes, you know, many of my patients will feel like they're constantly hitting a wall within the court system, family court system with their own attorneys. There's a lot of education that has to take place. Um, it's very, very difficult. So what I tell people, and again, that's a whole, that could be a whole other conversation, the, the court system. It, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Um, well, mark it down for later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But one of the things I, and this is, you know, I, I don't work with children, but what I can tell you and what child psychologists will tell you, you need one stable parent. So I remind people, usually it's the available parent, the non-narcissist, you only need one stable parent to be the parent that is the safe one, the available one, the role model, sets the tone, is, this, is you know, kind of the, the, not necessarily just the safe one, but the one that the children can come to and, and voice their concerns and voice their opinions, who is adult enough and aware enough as much as it kills them to not pit one parent against the other not talk badly as much as you want to about the narcissistic parent. So you need one stable parent. So for those of you that are co-parenting with somebody who is a narcissist and you are so concerned and worried about the impact this is going to have on your children because you're not present to protect them. So two things to remember. One, one stable parent. You have more power over them than you realize. Second, a lot of the manipulation, abuse, the things like that the children may have seen, a lot of that happens because there was both of you in kind of together in the house in the moment. So if you remove one of you, 
and it's just let's say dad in this example and mom can be the narcissist too i'm just saying dad for now um the more dynamics than <laughs> what did you say more than likely it's dad though um the dynamics of that of that household with just dad and the kids is going to be different than the dynamics of dad with mom and the kids so keep that in mind as well that it's it is a different dynamic in that household um but I tell parents all the time, give yourself way more credit. You have way more influence over as the healthy parent over the children than, than you realize. That's a uh, fantastic place to start. And you don't hear that a lot of the one stable uh, parent principle. And that is, yeah, that is that dead on. Uh, and, you know, we had some really good questions uh, as well from uh, a lot of you that were uh, yeah, had kind of similar thoughts. And uh, another one is to, uh, this is coming from uh, a, a screen name I, I can't pronounce, I apologize. So, uh, but, a, but a good question. <laughs> Can you try it? Uh, yeah, uh, 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 I'm, getting, I'm getting old man eyes over here. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> nope, out on the back end. Uh, how, how, it, uh, how do we set and keep boundaries when a parent and she uses, you know, the dad in this example is coming for 20 to 30 minutes, Monday through Friday, you know, no weekends. And what I think she's getting at is just, you know, how come, and this is something uh, I probably have dealt with over the last year and a half too, just how does it feel like your time is always on someone else's time. It's never on the narcissist time. And it's always just yeah. so frustrating to try and get back. Like, the boundaries we've we've definitely gone over in some of the episodes in depth, so certainly uh, go through some of those. But in terms of how do you try and win back that time against a narcissist if you need more time for yourself, for your work, for your job, what would what strategies would you use? So you're saying, tell me if I'm wrong, you're, yeah. you're, the question is the narcissist is not abiding by the schedule and they're deliberately interfering with your time away from the children because they have stuff going on. They have their own life. They have their own schedule and they don't really give a shit about yours. So they're doing things to make your life difficult because it doesn't add, it doesn't match up with their life and their schedule. Yeah. Well, I think in a lot of times, like you've said before, initially you're still a lot of the time feeling like you're, or they think you're under their control still. Uh, I say, okay. Yes. Being like, I can only have 20 or 30 minutes because my shit's more important, essentially, right? So first and foremost, it's extremely helpful. And I'm going to go with necessary to have a court-ordered kind of um, a, cu a custody agreement. Because if you do not have that court-ordered, I don't know if court-ordered is the right word, but court-ordered custody agreement, and everything's just up in the air. You can do that when you're in a decent co-parenting situation. Even then, I disagree with that. But mm. when you're dealing with someone who has narcissistic personality disorder, you must have a custody agreement in place. Do not, under any circumstances, think that you guys will be able to handle it as it comes up. Mm. Because they will, without, without question attempts to screw you over, attempts to, you have a big work event to go to, but there's no custody agreement, 
they're going to some, somehow, some way, those kids are getting dropped off at your house if, if right. the, the access. So one, you need a custody agreement. Hmm. And there has to be, and again, this is more of the legal end of things, so I don't want to get into it too much, but, but you know, there are certain ways to write in there how certain things are going to go, who's picking up from what, and things like that. Now, when it becomes tricky is when the other parent doesn't do what they're supposed to do, doesn't hold up their end of the bargain for a couple of reasons. One, when a narcissist gets divorced, if they start dating, you have to understand the prior family, bye. bye. There's this cutoff that happens. And so they want to still look good. They want to look good to their attorneys. They want to look good to the court system. They want to look good to their friends, to their coworkers, to the community. So they're still going to have the children. That's the only reason why. Because right. after they get divorced, if they start dating or they're with someone, those children, unfortunately, then become, um, they become a roadblock. Mm -hmm. they, they, they become, um, they're in the way. Got to get around it. Right. They're in the way. So the kids become something that are of an annoyance almost because the other person can't live their life. Yes, you and I call that parenting. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, so much for going to the bathroom on your own, right? But yeah. um, when a narcissist will, let's say, you know, um, let's say they're supposed to pick the kids up from school. It's their turn to pick the kids up from school because they have them that weekend. Right. And they call and say they're running late, which they're probably not. But they also know that you're packing to go away for the weekends because it's your weekend without the kids. Mm -hmm. And they're running late. So what, what do you do? How do you set boundaries? If your children are safe, if your children are at school and your children are safe, you don't budge on that boundary. If your children are not safe, unfortunately, those boundaries sometimes have to be broken because your children's safety comes first. But I want you to keep in mind for all of you on here, look for patterns when the boundaries are pushed. It's going to be when you don't have the children. It's going to be when you say you can't do X, Y, and Z because you're going to be here. That's when it's going to be pushed. It'll be pushed on birthdays. It'll be pushed on holidays. It'll be pushed on anniversaries. Um, my best, my advice that I give to a lot of my patients is if you have a big work event, don't tell them. Don't let them know. You're giving them information that they will use against you just like they did when you were married. This is no different, except now the children are pawns. So you need to figure out ways to remove, which John, we talked about this before we came on, but yep. you need to figure out ways, and it's so situation specific, to take the power away. So if if somebody's late picking up your children from school, let's say, you know, if, on those occasions that I've accidentally left my child at school because I forgot to pick them up. <laughs> what? You never. Never. Yeah. Never. Yeah. They're not just going to leave my kid. It's, I mean, someone's going to be with them. So, so, you know, even though it's a different situation, but my point is that the kids are safe. No one's in harm's way. You hold that boundary because 
think about it. What's the only thing now that they can use to control your emotions when they are no longer married to you? Your children. Yep. Money and your children, which is why I cannot stress to you enough how important it is to have an extremely detailed custody agreement because you can always go back and have records of they didn't follow this, they didn't follow this. It's a pain in the ass, but it's better than having nothing. I mean, there's a lot of people that will say, you know, oh, no, we don't have a custody agreement. Again, if you don't have a contentious divorce and it worked out fine, I still recommend custody agreements because things come up. Um, But you still hold those boundaries, whether you're married to them or you're not. And and really the art of, it's still not reacting, but it's still just, you know, maybe you got to say a a few MFers to, you know, your new partner or whatever. That's right. Calm yourself because the, the other thing about, especially when kids are roadblocks, especially, you know, everything's a roadblock. except Well, because they're objects. Right. They're just like you were. The kids are objects. They, they are only of use when they have a certain benefit or need, you know, other than that, they, they are in the way. Yes. And they can, it can be their weekend, their day, hour, whatever it is. And they can still pull the same stuff where, just in my experience, not telling you anything. Correct. It's suddenly getting a phone call and being like, hey, um, uh, my mom slipped and fell and she's got the kids. And I'm in Gary, Indiana. And you're going, well, not my problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so my, the, the, the kids aren't safe, to your example. So... Yeah, you've got to go bite the bullet on that. And it can leave you in really peculiar situations. But I've made the mistake of emotionally reacting to that. And that got us so That's much right. way of where we need to be. And now that you take that power away, like Dr. Z is saying, it's, I'm not saying it's easy. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah, and it sucks. But we're getting further and further along that way than the way we were trying before. And it's That's right. our, our own anxiety down when those things tend to happen, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think you bring up a really good point is that even in the worst of situations where you have to break that boundary, right? Mm-hmm. Break the boundary, but your emotional response has to be one of pure neutrality. As much as it is killing you inside, you can, you can vent to your best friend, you can vent to your new partner. You can vent to yourself under no circumstances do you give up any emotional power whatsoever to the other person. You don't say, you know, what the fuck? This always happens when you you know I'm somewhere else. I'm not even in the state. You always do this. Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. You can't keep a record of it. None of this should be over the phone. It should all be written. So either text email. There's the court apps that you can use. So um, I think it's my wizard. There's, there's a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. It has to be in writing because what you're going to eventually find is that there's patterns to this. And this is where it becomes important for attorneys and the court systems to understand the patterns of narcissism because it, it becomes very clear very quickly what's going on. And so if all these things keep happening every time you're on a business trip or every time you're on a date, or, you know, every time you're at work. It's, yeah, exactly. And it's going to continue to happen. And Justina, 
which I'm now putting two and two together, who is here and who did ask the question. Uh, thank you so much for that and saying, you know, commenting here. It's like, yes, it, he he's triggering it and being like, that is exactly the game. That's his. Yeah, job. because think about it. What do they have left over you? Money and your children. Right. That's it. Mm -hmm. And that's what they'll use. They go for things that you will fight to the death on. Yes. Because yeah. it will pull for an emotional reaction. And so when it comes to your kids, you know, when you're in, you know, non-narcissistic state of mind, when you're going to, you're going to fight for the death for your kids. So you can still do that, but it has to be emotionless. Yes. And strategic. It, it, it happens on every decision, big or small. It doesn't matter. Yes. Haircuts, food options, lunches, pickup times. Like it, it's just... They will, if it's a, if they can find a way to trigger you or be offended by it, they will. So it's and here's, here's the thing too, and, and if this is helpful, for certain things that are the biggies, doctor's appointments, right? Let's say you have a child that has allergies, okay? Um, let's say you have a child that just, or just even a, prime, a dentist appointment. Right. If those are the big ones for you, right? Don't give those responsibilities to the narcissistic parent. They want them so they can mess it up, <laughs> plain and simple. Not because they want to mess up the appointment, but they want the emotion, the emotional control from you. They don't, A, care, B, even consider the fact that by messing up your child's doctor appointment, your child doesn't get to see the doctor. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's, that's not in their conscious, I shouldn't even say conscious, they don't care. Right. They just want you to get angry. So they want you to be frazzled. So you have to respond to it as angry as you are in the most neutral tone. So try as best you can to schedule the biggies, the doctor's appointments, the haircuts, the play dates, the things that involve organization around your schedule. I like to call them the biggies. <laughs> that 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 stuff that 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 um, oh somebody I saw something yesterday on Instagram I forget what type of parenting they called it but it's like that behind the scenes parenting that like it just gets done but it's nothing it's not like bathing or feeding the kids it's all the other stuff the scheduling and the, all that stuff don't give that to the narcissistic ex have it on your days as best as you can the less you give them. And I know you're thinking, why do I have to do everything? Why do I have to do everything? Because if you don't take on the biggies, your children will end, will end up, you know, unfortunately getting hurt in the, in the process of it. But also you're giving your narcissistic ex an easy way to gain access to controlling your emotions. The game you have to play is not give them things to be able to control your emotions. Mm -hmm. What better way than to not give them, listen, you know, so-and-so has a doctor's appointment at five o'clock, make sure you get there on time, or they have a doctor's appointment here. They're, that, that's like giving them, like, here, please mess with me, right? Here, please yeah. take my emotions, mess with me. Don't give them that. The goal isn't to it's not about sharing the responsibilities at this point. It's about what things can you withhold from them so that they don't have access to your emotions. Yeah, 
Yes, and and uh, ooh, uh, that's a good question because I, I I have a slight follow up with that too. Um, what if they go nuts when you try to do that stuff yourself? With I'm going to control the calendar. I'll set up the appointments. How do you try and tell them they, they can meet you there if they want? Yeah, like I would make it. A, that's exactly where I was going to go. They, they can meet you. And guess what's going to happen? Yeah, they won't show up. They won't. They care. won't show up. They'll love that you're doing it. <laughs> or or they'll show up and they'll act on their best behavior, which is going to piss you off. But you know what? If you're at the doctor's office and it's your kid's doctor's appointment and they're on their best behavior, it's better for the kid. Definitely. It may kill you because you're like, oh, my God, they're only doing this. So they look like they're the good parent. Fine. But at the end of the day, it's about the child. And so if the child thinks that, like, everyone's getting along, and every great. But if they freak out that you're making the appointments, have them come with. Yes. Tell them to meet, tell them to meet you there. Tell them, say, I'll make the appointment. What time is best for you? Yes. Make well, the appointment. It's time's best for them. They're not going to show. Mm-hmm. What's, um, and there's, uh, yeah, uh, I have a, this is, well, here's how you win because there's a couple of people commenting and you're saying, won't many narcissists do a good job of like trying to keep the appointments because they want to no. make it good. That's not why they do it at all. It's no. just for control over you. And so, so oh, yes, yeah, I'm going to say, so yes, they will, they're going to want to look like the good parent, but they're only going to want to do that if there's if you're currently in some sort of court custody battle with them. So it depends what stage of the divorce that you're in. It depends on what stage. If you're past the divorce, if, you, if, this, if it's all the custody, alimony, all that stuff is done and you're no longer in that situation, they don't, they don't, they don't care. They'll, they'll want to look good if custody is on the line, if you're still in mediation or probably past mediation, because usually with a narcissist, it goes, will go past mediation anyway. But um, in some situations, yeah, they may want to look good, but yeah. that's few and far between. I mean, usually it's just to mess with your, with your emotions. It's honestly only going to happen when you're in person, in public with somebody. And that's always my favorite satisfaction out of all of this and probably a tip for all of you. When what Dr. Aziz is saying, especially when you take on the big stuff, the, you, uh, the first thing you can do is alleviate all the other small stuff, which adds up. So you even brought up the example of like packing for the kids and back and forth. Honestly, you shouldn't be doing that. They should be having enough, enough things for your child at their house where you're not packing anything. And if you're taking control of that big stuff and being like, hey, you know, it's been long enough. Do you mind just having that stuff there? There's amazing power that kind of lifts out and be like, all right, well, if they're doing all the booking and stuff like, yeah, I can have 10 items or even at worst, just put go and buy 10 items and put them in their house. So it's just there. And then the other part of that is I think showing up with all the information when you're setting all those appointments and you're near that professional doctor or whatever whatever appointment you're at and they're rattling all these things off that narcissist is going to step up with wrong information all the time and then you can have it all laid out on a chart or whatever it is and and be like well actually it's this this and that and and there's no yeah at all like that's just that's the satisfaction and then you can forget about the that's the, right because you'd be like oh that's where it's just the show and we can move on from this 
And also keep in mind, they're not following up with the doctor. They may go to the appointment. They're never going to follow up with the doctor. They're never going to follow up with the meds. They're never going to do anything outside of it because it doesn't, there's no audience. You know, there's no audience. There's no, they don't. I guarantee you that they weren't the ones handling this before and they're not going to be the ones handling it after. So if they are showing up because they want to look good because there's some sort of custody or something going on, or they just want to show up because they just want to anger you that they're there because they know that, you know, they don't ever do anything. And now all of a sudden they're showing up at the doctor's appointment, acting like a hero, let them show up, let them be there. Do not give them the power of showing that you are pissed that they are there. That is what they want. It's not about to hear the information about their child. They're not listening anyway. Yes, exactly. And and there are, and maybe there are, and, and we always say you got to try and play three or four steps ahead with narcissists, especially to try and do a lot of this stuff. But is there any for lack of a better term, Jedi mind trick, essentially, that like you can take all of a narcissist's negative energy to use towards a helpfulness that you need, where it looks like they're getting, they're using, oh, I'm getting pissed off and I have all this control, but in actuality, they're helping you in the long run? Like, is there a way to almost- Understand, I don't. <laughs> Where's your lightsaber, damn it? That's <laughs> such a dork. Yeah, I know. That's all. I, I didn't I didn't know essentially saying is there <laughs> is there any long or short term to to essentially flip all of that triggering bullshit that we deal with into a very ha helpful outcome for yourself, your family, et cetera, et cetera. I think the best thing is, and we've talked about this, the best thing is to aim for that, that eventual place of, oh my God, this is so pathetic. It's almost laughable. Like, I think, I think that that's yeah. really what you're aiming for with this is that, is that that's the positive that's going to come out of this. The positive is that the patterns are going to become so much more evident once they are removed from your life. They are outside of your life. They are not in your home anymore. That you are not parenting with them. You're not living with them. They're with somebody else. They have another family. I mean, you're dating somebody. You're going to start to see these. And as your kids get older, you're, yeah. these patterns are going to be, become so obvious. And, and, and ultimately, that's going to be one of the best things that can happen because that gives the parent the non-narcissistic parent, a sense of control. It gives the children, so, even though it's so chaotic, once the child starts to understand what they're dealing with and, and the patterns that are at play, also based on the, the available parent's response to those patterns, then there's almost this like, it, it's like a, a roadmap within the chaos. And mm -hmm. once you figure out what that roadmap is, then it's kind of, I don't, I don't like saying like you won, but in a way it can no, this, that the bullshit no longer affects you because you know exactly what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, why they're going to do it and how they're going to do it. If you're still responding emotionally, I, and I don't mean you're like cool with it. You're not going to be ever right. be okay with it. But if you, if, if you're, if they're still pulling that, 
that really strong emotional response from you and the screaming and the yelling and the hanging up the phone and the arguing and just trying to get your point across one more time, if they're still pulling that, that's your work that you really still need to attend to. Not your fault, Mm -hmm. but it's still your work that you need to attend to because eventually you want to get to the place where having that predictability is, is, is the ultimate, um, like getting all your power back Mm -hmm. because then, you know, and I've had patients say this to me, there's literally nothing they can do anymore that will scare me, make me sad, make me angry. It's, it's like, it's gone. There's literally nothing they can do anymore. And when you hit that point, that is, that's kind of when you have that power, they they can't take anything else from you. It's, it, it, it's, it, it doesn't work anymore. And that's the goal that you really want to shoot for. Yeah, I think that's the positive aspect of that. Certainly, and it's in it. Unfortunately, there's not like a, you know. And I think when you when you start to process this and you're trying to achieve all these things that we're doing, like you automatically think like, okay, there's this really big thing that you can go and grab when it's actually the most basic thing you can do is just yes. try and be a monk. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And, and but the craziest part about it is that it sounds so simple. Mm-hmm. And so it makes you, it makes you realize just how entangled you were for so long. And the fear that, that was instilled in you, you know, that your life was run by this fear and that once that's no longer there and it doesn't affect you anymore, you know, this is a lot of times where I have a lot of patients get really angry at themselves for, you know, how, because they're so on the other side of it and they're just kind of, how, how the hell did I let this happen? You know, how, how did I possibly listen to this or, you know, and, and it's really easy to say it after the fact, but I think it just goes to show you how entrenched you were when that was going on. The fact that you couldn't pull yourself out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really when I see patients kind of beat themselves up over it. Um, but I think it's, it's indicative more of the personality style than anything that the person did wrong. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And that's, um, that's definitely important to feel and know. And there's, um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of different strategies you can get into, but like the simplest way to start is do the exact opposite of whatever your emotions are telling you to do. And if they start to rise, put the fucking phone down, throw it. If you need to, the worst thing you could do is message anybody in that moment, but especially the narcissistic co-parent in your life. Like it is, don't do that. (laughs) And I, I also recommend having an objective a friend that's objective to it or somebody that is, you know, that knows the situation that you feel comfortable with, send it to them instead, right? Like if you really need to let it out, send it to them instead. But the emotional text messages, the trying to get your point across, you know, how many, for those of you that are on here that have been in that situation, like, I just, I just want to get my point across, you know, and it's this like, ah, it will never happen. They'll never give you the satisfaction of getting your point across. Like, think yep. about what you're asking. You're asking them to accept responsibility and accountability for their behaviors. Mm-hmm. They won't ever do that. And if they do, it's because it in some way makes them look good or it benefits them. So 
you really have to learn to sit with the discomfort that you have, which will be something along the lines of anger, agitation, frustration, fear, and sit with it because emotions don't drive behaviors. They influence them, but they don't cause them. You can be angry and at the same exact time, go to work and function as if you're not angry at all. Does that mean you're not angry? No, you're still angry from whatever happened in the morning. But, you know, I could go to work and I could be devastated about something. But when I'm working with a patient, they don't know I'm sad. Exactly. Right? So emotions don't dictate behaviors. They influence them. They don't dictate. So you absolutely can be angry at your ex and at the same time formulate a very appropriate response. Or you don't need to respond right away. Take your time. Sit with it. Sit with your emotions. Let it dissipate. Because, and not to get too much into the whole avoidance thing because it's on a bunch of other episodes, but sometimes the quick, fast response is avoidance. Meaning, instead of sitting with the discomfort, you just, I have to get it out, I have to get it out, and then boom, you send it, and then what you just did was you just enabled the narcissistic behavior. You just went into it, which is exactly what they wanted. Um, And then what ends up happening is you get so consumed with arguing with your ex that the actual issue at hand, let's say it was the doctor's appointment, is now no longer being talked about. Yep. Now you're being sucked into, you're crazy, you are calm down, you're overreacting, and so it becomes about the discussion becomes about your response rather than the situation at hand. Um, and so, Every, yeah, yeah. And so you really want no emotion words, only facts, only times, dates, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the, the other thing that I would say too, is just if, if it feels like it's that burning itch and I don't know how many of you were ever smokers or whatever, but like that, that itch for a cigarette's kind of the same to like emotionally respond to somebody. And the best way that you can put it in your mind, just like Dr. Z was saying there, is they're not gonna listen to it anyway. And they're not gonna ever give you the satisfaction. You're just talking to yourself. So if it feels better to literally text yourself in that moment, MF this and I hope you did a da 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 and whatever, just to send to yourself, do it. But make sure it never goes anywhere else and realize that you're just talking to yourself or a brick wall. And if you yeah, can realize that, that helps, that helped me get out of a lot of situations too. You know, and I say that for, for really for any situation when you're seeking closure in a relationship, non-narcissistic, it doesn't even matter. It, or an argument with a friend. If you want to say something, say it, but with the intention of only saying it to get it off your chest. You have zero control how somebody perceives it, if they're going to listen, if they're going to hear you, if it's going to change them. And with a narcissist, it's going to do none of the above. So if you feel the need to say something, say it if you want to, but understand that it only has to be literally for you to just hear yourself say it. Because it, it has no, there's no good purpose to it. It, You're not going to, when you're dealing with a rationally minded person, like John, if we were in an argument and I'm explaining to you how I feel about something, yeah. you know, you're going to sit, take that in, get, you know, think about it, have a response. When you're dealing with somebody who has 
the mindset of a narcissist, none of that is going to happen. All they're going to do is hang on to the things that, that are going to piss you off even more and throw them back at you. You're basically giving them fuel. Oh, yeah. Right? So, so you don't want to give those responses. You want to give a nothingness, not ignoring, because ignoring is fuel also, but a neutralness. Mm-hmm. One word responses. Okay. Yes. No. Again, times and dates. A lot of times what will happen in co-parenting situations is there'll be these text strings back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. If the narcissistic parent says, what time do I need to pick so-and-so up from basketball? And you write back eight o'clock and they write back and they say eight o'clock. I thought it was seven o'clock. You told me that you do not respond. You do not respond. If a minute later they write back and say, what entrance do I pick them up at for basketball? You respond to that. If they write back and say, well, I don't know where the fuck that is. You don't respond to that. So it's not an all or nothing thing. You know, and from behavioral languages is kind of, you're trying to kind of shape their behavior, even though it'll have no impact. But if they're going to speak to you, you're going to demand the way in which you choose. If you're going to respond to them, you're going to pick and choose what you respond to. You, you have no control over what they say or do, and what words they use, but you do have total control over what you choose to respond to. So feel free in the text message, in the, you know, or whatever, in the email, if there's parts of it, you don't like how they're speaking to you and they're causing that drama, then you don't respond to that particular part. But if the next question is very neutral, you respond to that. So you have total control over your responses. Just because they're choosing to throw a tantrum, you don't have to respond to that. Understand if you do, though, what you're giving them. You're giving them fuel. You're giving them exactly what they want. So unfortunately, co-parenting with a narcissist is its a constant battle, but it doesn't have to be a battle that exhausts you. It can be a chess game, right? So you kind of want to make move it from a battle to a chess game. Yeah, get it. So if they want to continue to spin their wheels, God bless them. But you're on the other side, just, you know, chilling. <laughs> and somebody said deflection. So yes and no. Deflection is kind of putting it back on them. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's not, that's not even neutral. That, that's not neutral. Deflection has a forward movement to it, right? What I want is neutral, which is, they ask a question, you give a response. If there's anything in that question that is emotional, that is negative, that is attacking, that is something that you don't like, you don't respond. Yeah. Period. That's it. Somebody's emotionally slapping you in the face, and you got to sit there and take it and not move. And it's hard to do. But they're not. Um, but here's the thing: when that power is gone, when they can no longer get to you, that's the thing. They're not emotionally slapping you in the face. They're standing there swinging at the air, exactly. and you're pointing at them, going, "Ha!" Huh. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's that's the goal of co-parenting with it with with the narcissist is getting to that point where it doesn't affect you that way, so that you can see things objectively. Because remember, your kids are the priority. Yeah, and it's a. Um, a, a great time to remind everybody that, you know, um, 
with Dr. Z and with all these that we're talking about here, it's we always express the same thing. None of this gets better, especially how long you've ever been in this type of relationship. It doesn't get better with you without additional therapy. And like, you know, it's especially if it's it's becoming that much triggering all the time with everything and there's no you, you've got to you've got to heal yourself too along this and, it, and it's hard to manage all these different things so if you ever want to continue further especially with this discussion or really anything that revolves around anxiety depression and even if it doesn't fit with exactly what dr z talks about she always has a lot of great recommendations for therapists that would um uh, obviously if you're a uh, following along on here on Instagram, uh, Dr. Z underscore psychologist, if you're listening to the podcast. And what's that wonderful, beautiful website that we can go visit you at as well there, Dr. Z? DrJamieZuckerman.com. Exactly, where we just uh, reminded everybody that uh, you do uh, do uh, sessions through Zoom and teletherapy and things like that. So great to hear. And wanted to end with, uh, with uh, this question before we left. Um, and this comes from Sophia on how would you handle different types of parenting and discipline styles when it's might be completely opposite of your partner when you're going through these co-parenting phases here. Yeah. So that's a toughie. And that goes back to that whole idea of you're losing a little bit of control over the parenting style because you're not physically there. Um, and so, you know, again, it's going to depend on the age of the children obviously, and their level of awareness. So, you know, if we're dealing with really little, like the little guys, um, I go back to you need one stable parent who sets the tone, who sets the rules, sets the responsibilities, sets the accountability. When they go to the other parent's house and let's say they're parenting in a way that you never would, right? Let your kids, and again, I don't work with children, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that it's going to go this way because if you call that X and you say, so-and-so came home crying and why did you do this, 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 and this? That's exactly what they want. Unfortunately, sometimes what they'll do is they, they, to get to you, they use the child, right, as the pawn. And part of that is going to be how they respond and act and treat the child when they're with them to piss you off or to upset you or to worry you. So, it's, it's almost like I, I don't want to say there's nothing you can do about it. But the parenting style that they're going to do in their house is going to be the parenting style that they do in their house, not because it's their parenting style, but because there's going to be some sort of motive behind it because they want to bring the kids back to your house a disaster so that you need to pick up the pieces. Now, when that happens, understand you have a heck of a lot more power than you realize you can sit your kids down. You have the majority of the time. You can set the tone and you instill enough structure and you instill enough um, of a value system in them that they won't be impacted by that intermittent parenting they're getting over here as much as you, as a parent will think they are, if that makes sense. It's kind of like, we're going to assume the worst because we're the parents and we don't have control of what's going on over there. Assuming they're not being harmed physically, sexually, the, right. the, the impact that that parenting style is going to have is going to be way more limited than the impact that your parenting style has on them because yours is going to be consistent. Yours is going to be healthy. You're going to have rules. 
you know, you're going to have a value system in place. Because remember, their parenting style, it's going to be inconsistent based on their mood, who they're dating. Uh, it, there's so many variables. So, so it, it's so inconsistent, which is why yours needs to be consistent because you don't have control over that. Just like when you were married to them. No, that's there a was great, very little control. It's a great point. And I wonder if, is it too simple to say in, in these situations when like, you know, and, and it is true, like you're not going to be able to change that person's parenting style. No way. So is it from your end, when you're making decisions for your children, is it about more or less asking for forgiveness instead of permission and just making a decision and dealing with the consequences after essentially? What do you mean? Well, essentially, in, in like in most co-parenting decisions, like, hey, you know, we're talking about this and then we're making a decision when a narcissist, right. Jesus, you're going to go through yeah. a bunch just to get a simple answer. So not like it's just a phrase, but not actually asking for forgiveness or whatever it is, but making it. You mean do, do it and then you'll deal with the deal with it afterwards. Right. Is that, um, is that a. A, a good way to do it, or is that a, a more harmful? I think way? it's. I think it depends on the situation. I don't think there's a one size fits all approach. To that. I think it depends on the situation. I think it depends on the age of the kids. I think it depends on the type of narcissist you're dealing with. Right? There's different types of narcissists. Um, who else is involved? What's the situation? You know, if it's a school thing, both parents should be involved. If it's a medical thing, both parents should be involved. Um, you know, if it's the kid's birthday party. I mean, I think you can just give them the date, let's say, right? Like they don't really, right. you know, so I think you have to pick and choose and keep in mind, it doesn't matter what the hell it is that you pick. If you don't include them, they're going to get angry, but it's not because you didn't, it's not because they weren't included. It's mm -hmm. because you're able to function and make decisions without them controlling you, right? It's, 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 it's more than just, you plan the birthday party with, without me, right? Yeah, someone said separate birthday parties. I am a big fan of the separate birthday parties because this way, listen, the more, people that, the more people that love the children, the better, right? So if they get a party with two different sets of grandparents and two different sets of friends or friends twice, great, right? Mm -hmm. The more people that love the child, the better. I think as far as it comes to making decisions, I think it really does depend on the scenario. But if you know from prior experience that that narcissistic ex is going to do nothing but drag their feet, slow things down, then yeah, you do what you need to do if it's in the best interest of the child and you deal with the tantrum afterwards. 100%. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a great way to put it. And um, I... Uh, yeah, this it, it is a, I mean, we, we clearly can't get enough done in one session. And uh, that's probably why there's going to be many more on just co-parenting, as we said. And narcissism as a topic as well is a very large onion to keep peeling away at from a bunch of different angles. So um, we will definitely continue to have other co-parenting lives and podcasts because uh, I'm sure stuff will pop up for all of us and we'll have more questions to ask and, and uh, Dr. Z has the best knowledge of anyone that I know to explore uh, these topics with us and to make sure that it's done in a way that we can all understand um, and that's always our goal with the lives and the podcast and obviously if you can see me on the live I'm in my own studio right here and if uh, you like some of the content that we're doing 
together. Uh, that's what I do for a living. At uh, John Barchard on the Instagram.com, lastoutmedia.com to try and, you know, you're the radio and TV, and there's a lot of communities to build now. <laughs> and as long as Zuckerberg's, you know, functionality doesn't go down on Monday nights, uh, we're uh, we're going to keep doing that. In oh yes, we're we're yeah. also gonna we're gonna be Monday nights. So to, yeah. this was this Monday nights eight o'clock. Um, it wasn't Sundays and it was Tuesday. But it's Monday nights eight o'clock. And also um, for those of you that have general questions about narcissism, mm -hmm. go back into our podcast. But also on my. Um, website drjamiezuckerman.com there's a tab for workshops you can click on that and then there's a list of pre-recorded workshops that you can download that answer a lot of the questions the general narcissistic questions that people are coming up with yes a hundred percent i would i would definitely do that if uh, you want to explore a next step because that's really more acute to probably some of the things that you're asking some of the questions here in live and certainly on the uh, the reviews on the podcast, leave us questions there uh, and we can try and figure out um, what workshops work best for you and what lies best for you and all that stuff. So we appreciate the support. Thank you so much. And uh, Dr. Z, we will see you uh, Monday at uh, eight o'clock. Probably lots of questions and topics. And thank you so much as always. Yes. Thank you. Bye guys. Bye.